Hi, my name is Justin. I'm the developer of Per Rocket, an iOS space game with cats. And I listen to the One-Off Gaming Podcast. You can find a link to download my game at facebook.com slash purrocket. Hi, I'm Lucy James, and I listen to the One-Off Gaming Podcast. Hi, I'm Keith Allen, and I play Murphy on Z Nation, and I listen to one Up Gaming Podcast. Yeah, it's how we do it, y'all. L-G-B, my straight out of Donnie Starbucks. What up to you, one Up Gaming? They're not really ready for this one. One up gaming is behind me. Let me get in beast mode. If you wanna try me, you don't need a cheap code. Kante is who I be to you. It's Mr. Hero, legendary adversary. Flows considerably though. I'm a super saiyan. I got dragon balls. I wouldn't lie. You might think I'm playing when I'm saying I can really fly. When I'm on the track, you feel the energy I'm pushing. I put me on the map. One up gaming's who I'm talking about. I'm the rapping master chief. Epic to say the least Contain the hero Better etch that in your memory And so the one up Gaming for the show I'll contain the hero Is really gonna show up Welcome to the One Up Game Podcast, episode 248. It's me, David, and we will have Brian on a little bit later. Um, for now, it is just me saying hi. And we're going to have a very long chat kind of interview with Tristan. Yeah, he basically works at, um, I'm going to get the name wrong, but I think it's Dev Espresso Games. Dev Dev Espresso games, something like that. And anyway, the games that they've just sort of like worked on released is the Coma 2, Vicious Sisters. It's out now for, I think it's PS4, Switch, PC. It'll be coming soon to the Xbox One. So, yeah, take it away, guys. Fly through space, rescue cats, score big points. Download Per Rocket for free today. Visit www.perrocket.com. Up next on the show, we got a treat for you. Here is this week's interview. And we're back. It's just the One Up Game podcast, episode 250. It's still me and Brian. And we've got a special guest. So if you'd just like to introduce yourself and just say, what do you do, please? Yeah, so my name's Tristan Lee Riven. I'm the COO and co founder of Dev Espresso Games. Uh, we're a small. Uh, indie studio based in Seoul, South Korea. Um, the games we're most well known for is the Coma Cutting Class, Coma Recut, um, Vambrace, Cold Soul, uh, and most recently the Coma 2 Vicious Sisters, uh, which is now out on PS4 and Nintendo Switch, and that's coming soon on Xbox as well. 
Um, and uh, we, you know, we're a small team, four people, and so we all have to wear a lot of different hats. But my primary role on the team is working as a game designer um, and writer uh, of the stories. And I also handle, um, yeah, all the behind the scenes business for the company as well. It's like I played a couple of games recently, and I don't remember what they were called, uh, what the titles were, but it was open ended where the ending was so abrupt. And it's like, what just happened? So I, <laughs> oh, I guess I have to figure it out for myself. And then you look it up, and it's like the developer specifically left it like that for people to figure it out. And a lot of people were upset about it. I actually said, hey, that's fun. I get to make my own decisions. And it comes to a conclusion, and then it tells me a little bit about what happens, and then the end. Okay, now I figure out what happened. <laughs> you know, it, that's a really funny uh, topic all into itself. As a game designer myself, I often find that there's this huge dissonance sometimes between what game designers, what type of experience game designers aim to create through through their works and then uh the actual experience gamers end up taking away from it if that makes sense right oh no that makes like, sense look at the look at the controversy with last of us 2 right now. Uh, that's what i was just gonna sad. bring up yeah it's very sad i enjoy the game i got my girlfriend to sit down because she didn't watch the first one she's like okay i thought it was gonna be scarier than this because she's not really a horror fan of Mm. movies and stuff where like blood and guts are splatting she said somebody has to admit that they don't want it she just said in the background but sits there and watch me play it and she's like oh my god the game's actually good so i tell her a little bit about the story about what happened in the first one and she's like so why don't people like it i'm like i think they think it's too politically correct because ellie is going lesbian and you got this going on but I don't think that that was their purpose, was to focus on that. They wanted to focus on the characters' stories of what happened after and still going on in the future. Because if this was an apocalyptic world, would this stuff still be happening? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm a story writer myself. So it's like trying to figure out what were they trying to tell in that kind of experience. And it's people, they, people nowadays are so, I don't know how to put the word, um, polarized just said because they think they want one thing but then when you give it to them all of a sudden it comes out i I didn't want that at all you got it completely wrong i wanted this instead and you're always going to have and as a game designer yourself you understand this you're always going to have the unique audience that some people are going to like it and some people are going to buy it and some people are going to tell their friends about and say oh my god the experience was awesome you need to play it and some people are going to be like what the hell are they thinking i don't want to support those guys those guys are yeah, their artwork was horrible, this was horrible, and they're going to nitpick every little aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, um, I think that just by the, the, fin- the fundamental aspects of what a game is as an interactive medium, I think game designers are already kind of faced with a sort of uphill battle, so to speak. For example, I mean... It's, it's already difficult if you were using the medium of something like film, for example, and then you were uh, making a movie, which is a totally passive experience. All the person has to do is like sit in their seat, 
watch it, and then they're either, let's just be generous, they're either going like, to love it or hate it, right? One of those two things. So people, let's say, are going to fall into one of those two categories. With gaming, it's like um, not only are people going to fall into the either I love it or I hate it category when it comes to the narrative aspect, for example, um, this further gets filtered by another level, which is people who love or hate the interactive element of the experience, right? So that's like a distinctly separate thing from just, you know, uh, liking the story itself, right? There's some people yeah. that maybe they love the story, but they just absolutely dislike the interactive element uh, that came along with it. Well, think, about, think back to uh, Resident Evil 6. Capcom came out with this experience they wanted to play. Like, okay, it's going to be like an interactive experience. There's still going to be gameplay to it. But we also want to add this unique cutscene experience of where well, you push buttons and quick time events. Boom, 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 to get mm -hmm. from point A to point B. I loved it. But right. did you see how many people complained about it? And so right. Capcom decided, well, 100% of our audience doesn't like this game, so we're going to scrap this idea now. Instead of Resident Evil 7 being a continuation of 6, right. we're right. coming out with a brand new horror experience, and we're going to take a couple extra years to put it out there for people. Mm. And then it came out, and people were like, okay, I liked it, but... And now Resident <laughs> Evil 8's been announced, and I'm like... What happened to the two-player experience? I love the two-player experience. I want that. Yes, it's a horror game, but if you think about it, if this was real life, you'd have a buddy helping you save your life and keep watching your back, and you'd watch their back. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, th that's always going to just be a, tr a tricky world to navigate, right? Because you're, you're never going to please everybody. Um, yeah. and, and just... Like I said, by by design, uh, trying to keep people immersed in the experience you're creating, you're working with a really delicate bubble that pops very easily, and it pops frequently, and you want to try to keep that bubble floating as long as possible um, through what you design um and that's why like you know whenever i hear stories first of all uh full disclosure i've actually never played the last of us or the last of us too um but uh i can sympathize with you know i've, I've heard like kind of the broader uh picture of the discussion that, that that surrounded that particular controversy and you know with stuff like that you know it's it's always fun to play devil's advocate you know, uh, with both sides, because as let's say as an artist, as a game designer, um, as a storyteller, uh, I can appreciate that maybe Neil Druckmann was looking for, you know, uh, some unique way to explore the medium or, um, you know, push storytelling and gaming uh, in a certain direction. And, and maybe in, in some ways he really succeeded with that. On the other hand, I can also understand when a certain segment of players continually feel like instead of being totally immersed in the experience uh, for whatever reason they feel like they keep getting snapped out of it you know and it's and that's like some for the most part um yeah you know it, it should be just like kind of this thing that happens right if you're really into a game 
you just kind of lose sense of the world around you and you get immersed into it and you're just you're living the experience right but if something about the game whatever the game title is if something about it whether it's a janky controls or whether it's it's uh, some uh, some some type of uh, what do you call it uh, the that uncanny valley of the graphics or it, it, whatever it could be whatever element of that it, that just continues to snap people out of the immerse the immersion you know um, that's a really tricky thing to work with um, and it's always a delicate balance um, you know like. There's a really funny experience. I love to tell this story um, about the coma, too. Have, have you, you know, not to put you on the spot, but spoiler warnings for anybody that's, you know, uh, never played a coma, too, right? But I played about, I'd say, about not halfway through it, but a quarter of the way through it before getting stuck. <laughs> uh, okay. Did you make it to the market by any chance? No, not yet. Okay. So... Um, I'll, I'll just put it this way. Um, I'll try to keep this as vague as possible. Basically, you know, we, we did this, uh, funny thing when we were developing the coma two, we did early access on steam. And so one of the great benefits of that is, uh, we would stagger the updates for the game. So we would release like the first three chapters and then we would release, you know, we would, uh, after releasing those first three chapters, we would gather feedback and data from the players, and then we would directly act on that. Of course, we would we would judge like what was actionable, and then we would go back and improve facets of the the first three chapters that we had released. You know, we would actually watch people play uh, on Twitch and stuff, and uh, then. Uh, after we were finished polishing those chapters, uh, we would start working on the next chapter, right? And then we would just rinse and repeat that cycle, right? So we would always release new chapters, watch how people interacted with the puzzles, interacted with the story, the humor, whatever it is. Um, and we would take notes of things. And this was like a really huge benefit for us. Um, it helped us to catch a lot of bugs on a practical level. Um, and, and just stuff that you would never be able to do, uh, in-house control groups and stuff like that. But, um, it, it, it really helped us to, because as a designer, you, it doesn't matter how meticulously you design a puzzle or a certain section of dialogue or whatever you, you just, it's like kind of stand-up comedy. You really never know how things are going to land until, you're out there performing it in front of an audience and then like really gauging the reactions of people. Right. So something that you thought was like a really well-made puzzle, leave it to gamers. Like it'll take them 30 seconds to just totally dismantle it in a way you never expected. So it's like a huge benefit to be able to watch people play through these things. And so that's what we did with the coma too. Like we would, we would release these chapters and, and, and just watch this kind of unfold. And in, in one section of the game, uh, this is one of my favorite learn. Uh, I had the main character, Mina. She kind of gets this early warning in the story. It's this very offhanded remark. It's like a, a warning about don't do this thing. It's this very offhanded remark. And later on in the story, she sort of 
narratively speaking, her character forgets about that thing. And then she makes the mistake anyway, right? And uh, narratively speaking, this, this, this whole um, story arc totally makes sense. And I think that if most people were sitting passively watching this unfold as a movie or something, they would be very forgiving about this, right? Because they're just watching another character make, and, you know, human beings are flawed individuals. They, they hear things. Sometimes they process information differently. They make mistakes. And you can kind of uh, see these mistakes unfold on screen, and, and you forgive the characters for this thing. But the way it happened when I was watching people on Twitch was very different. People took it very personally. Um, they were personally offended and even, like, angry, right, that Mina was making this mistake that she had been warned about earlier. And uh, at, the, at, at first, I just I couldn't understand, like, why people were taking this mistake that she made in the narrative so personally. And then it kind of, like, later hit me as I start watching, like, hundreds of people react the same way to this, like, innocent mistake she, she had made. The reason why is because there was, like, kind of a, a, a cognitive dissonance between the player knowing some information and then their avatar doing something that they didn't want them to do, right? I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because I just I was just reading an article gaming-wise about yeah. several games nowadays. This is what was going on with The Last of Us 2 as well. Several game gaming things where the player thinks that before they start a game, they're in control of the character, so the character is them, basically, and they see the eyes... To get immersed into the game, they see the eyes to that character, and then the character makes a mistake. Okay, it's okay the first time. Second time, the character goes back and does the same mistake, even if it's like three quarters of the way through the game, and they're like, no, 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 no. That is not realistic. Right. But you still, it's cartoon graphics, so like uh -huh. with the coma too. You know, it's it's comic book style graphics. From what Jessica took a look at it because she didn't watch me play it. She, I showed her the uh -huh. trailer before this conversation. She's like, I like it. The art style is comic book style. So you automatically know they're going to make mistakes. So like you said, the cognitive dissonance of the player and Mina just completely like way. There's like a huge gap there. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what I did, you know, because it was early access and stuff, I, you know, after seeing the same like really violently negative reaction to how she reacted in that particular circumstance. I went in and I tweaked the early warning and I made it not so clear, not so boldly stated. Right. And I may, I constructed it in such a way that it, it existed there, but anybody could miss it if they weren't actively looking for it. And what I realized was when the players when the player's knowledge with Mina's synchronized, they totally forgave her when she made the mistake later. There was, there was no hint of people getting upset that she made the mistake later because they also were, they, did, they didn't feel like they were holding the knowledge in her head, in their head, and then blaming her for not remembering, right? So that was like a funny thing.
And so it all goes back to the, the to the experience of immersion and what a fragile little bubble it can be, right? It doesn't matter if you know you've got Skyrim or The Last of Us Two graphics, or it doesn't matter if you're um, uh, got the Coma Two with like Manhwa style graphics. Um, if it's a narrative-driven game, people people get invested into the story. They get invested into the characters. They're getting propelled forward, and uh, they want to be they want to be part of that. And if they feel like they get snapped out of it, even for a moment, um, people take it differently. Some people get really upset, <laughs> and that uh, you know that that feeling manifests in different ways. It's actually quite an I think you could you could do a whole psychological study on this, and it would be totally fascinating just to see how people react to getting snapped out of immersive experiences. Right? Some people get really upset with it, and then other people are just like, huh, shrug their shoulders and, and go on with it. You know, that unto itself is a very interesting, uh, a very interesting thing to look into. I think. But it's it's definitely one that game designers um, have to be cognizant of, you know. So now that I now that we've talked a little bit about that, first of all, allow me to be one of the first on our team to congratulate you guys for finally making the game onto Nintendo Switch. So now oh, it's thank like you. almost on every platform. I was just looking, and I'm like, I saw yeah. it the other day in the marketplace. I'm like, wow, they finally made it over to Switch. I, I mm. like that because. You know, now you can say, hey, it's on, I believe it's on <laughs> Xbox. But, uh, it's coming out on Xbox soon. Well, Very there soon. you go. It's going to be on all platforms. So, you know, you guys are hitting that peak of now my game's on every platform. What do mm. we do next? And I noticed I saw the news today that the three more chapters are coming, uh, at least according to Steam. It says three new chapters are coming soon or just came out. I don't remember what the news said there, but congratulations on that. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, well, not not so obviously. I, I think that there's there's a world where we would like to release everything simultaneously on all platforms, so everybody can just jump in and 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 enjoy, um, you know, our our stories at the same time. But we're a very small team. There's there's four of us. Um, uh, so we're very limited and, in sort of the bandwidth that we have and, and how we can deliver these things. So we just try to do it step by step and do it the best we can, um, along each way. And luckily we have some really amazing partners. Um, we're working with head up games. Uh, they're based in Germany. Um, and another, uh, publishing partner in Japan called chorus worldwide. And uh, they've just been really amazing partners in helping us bring uh, the game uh, out to consoles. Uh, they've worked really well with us through that entire process. And it's yeah, it's it's been a challenging one, but it's it's really worth it, and it's pretty exciting. You know, it's always the most fun to see people on consoles playing the game. Yeah, especially with a portable Switch. You know how portable now you get the ability to see people playing it on the go. So when you go out in public. Hey, what you playing? Oh, I'm playing the coma too. Oh, <laughs> did you know that I work for and help develop the game? Oh, really? Cool. And then boom, there goes the conversation started, especially in today's world, you know. And I like the one thing that I will say that I like because since I have to rewrite the review anyway, since it got lost in translation. Basically, 
I like how it kind of reminds me of the old Clock Tower series mm. back that used to be like I had the privilege of playing a Clock Tower Super Nintendo English translated ROM <laughs> back in the day for a while back when ROMs were actually, you know, still yeah. kind of on the legal side and when there wasn't much debate about and I had the privilege of playing it on a friend's computer. I'm like, I liked it. I liked that style of how you're always running from the guy with the scissors coming out. Mm. Well, this kind of reminds me of that because it's constantly like, how do I put it? Uh, it's constantly like, you don't know what to expect when you're going around the next corner. Right. And, and like about horror games too. It's like, they need to be where not just jump scares, but it actually needs to be so much pressure on the player because it makes them want to think outside of things. Yeah. Um, we're huge fans of 80s slasher horror movies, um, anything like that, you know, uh, all of them. Uh, from ranging from the really classics to, to the campiest stuff you can throw at us, uh, especially me. And so, you know, I think for us, we really wanted uh, the spirit of one of those classic 80s um slasher icons and if she could evoke that same kind of of you know put the fear of god in in the player then i think that you know as long as we did that i felt like we were doing our job pretty well um and uh, it was a bonus if we if we could construct a pretty good story a pretty good narrative around the whole experience of of getting chased through these environments um and I mean, that's it's a very primal thing, right? Trying to uh, trying to encapsulate that feeling of fear in somebody, um, and it's once again, it's it's just one of those things that it's it's a it's a bit of a delicate balance between you know your your jump scares, but then also having it sort of be a seamless interactive part of the whole experience right you want the player to to feel like they're in this destitute shadowy wasteland uh trying to survive and uh if they can get immersed into that um that was just going to be a big uh part of us uh uh clearing a major hurdle and and yeah i'll tell you one thing as a horror fan horror movies and horror games korean horror as itself is scary enough let alone when you put mm. it in the video game format like i'm also playing another game from another developer called white day yeah a school named labyrinth and the game was so hard and difficult that i had to stop <laughs> and i had to stop and just take a break from it because i got so frustrated i'm the kind of guy where i don't really like looking up walkthroughs or guides if I right. don't have to. That's like last, last resort. But this game was so hard that I'm like, <laughs> more. But they've come out with so many good, like Korea as a country, South Korea in general, has come out with so many good dramas that I grew up watching and mm -hmm. so many good horror movies I grew up watching with the subtitles that seeing this come into a comic format like Coma and Coma 2, I enjoy the experience. It's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's, uh, well, East Asian horror, you know, it's, it's got this, and well, not to be outdone, Indonesia and Thailand also have like some really good horror, and uh, it just has this really 
unique, distinct flavor from, you know, uh, Western horror. You know, it's it's not something I really thought about until just just this exact moment. But sometimes I think with, you know, uh, with the Western horror slasher mythos, like we are very uh, focused on the villain. Your Michael Myers, your Freddy Kruegers, your Jasons, they kind of get elevated above. And, uh, you know, we, we also have... You know, I guess maybe it's it's no coincidence that, you know, we also have all these, you know, cr- uh, this fascination with, you know, these uh, serial killers like Ted Bundy or John Wayne Gacy, the, the clown killer, stuff like that. And yeah. I think it kind of manifests in entertainment the same way, right? These personas become larger than life and then they kind of get put put onto the screen in that, in that way. And, and the incredible or insane personas of these characters. Whereas like maybe if I could characterize it some way in East Asian cinema, it's more about the collective knowledge of the fear of the thing, right? The, the fear of this type of demon or this type of spirit and, and against it. Right. And so there's there's less of that elevation of the the persona around uh, a psycho killer in the middle of it. And then um, as the only American on the team with the the Korean guys, uh, it, it was like a really good opportunity for us to blend those two things together. So, you know, you get this distinct flavor of, you know, the... Uh, East Asian folklore, um, East Asian uh, horror tropes, things like that. But then we also try to uh, uh, bring that that other aspect into it by uh, creating uh, a central villain, Dark Song, that is, um, you know, uh, something the player should should fear, uh, and 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 trying to manifest that as a very distinct entity. Um, uh, much like you know, uh, Western slasher films and, and stuff like that. So it was a really fun uh, opportunity to explore both facets of that and then kind of blend it uh, together in a unique way. A lot of people are often surprised. Um, you, they they just kind of assume uh, because the Coma Two is set in Korea. They assume that the the game is a is a Korean story and. It actually is a Korean story, but it, you know, it was first written in English. <laughs> it was all written, you know, by by an American, the coma too. So uh, a lot of people are really surprised to to hear that. <laughs> oh yeah, I knew that when I did my research when uh, David first popped over, and he's like, he's like, we got a review popping in for the coma too. I'm like, I didn't play the first one. Does it matter? Let me go do my research. And I looked it up. I'm like. It's a horror game. Yeah, please send it my way. Any horror game you get, please send it my way. Because I can sit there and I can stand it. And I like the thrill of the experience. And like you said yeah. earlier, going back to my old comment from earlier, Clock Tower experience. It's all of that again. It's bringing back that kind of experience. So the question is for you guys, where do we go from here after Tacoma 2 has been released and everything? Where do we go from here? What are the goals for the future? What are the big goals? Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to the Coma franchise, as it 
as it were. I think like the formula we followed with the coma two worked quite well. Um, when we released the coma recut or uh, when we first released it, uh, in 2015, it was called the Coma Cutting Class. And so that was the first game we ever made as a team together. And we were working on it part-time. Uh, some of us were full-time, but most, you know, most of us were working on it part-time, late at night. To be really honest, a lot of us didn't even know if we were going to like, you know, for us, it was just a miracle that, that we were able to finish the game. Uh, and it was by no means uh, a really well-designed, well-put-together game. It was, you know, we didn't know, we have no formal background in programming, uh, writing for games, uh, game design, anything like this. None of that. No formal training, uh, understanding of it at all. We were just kind of whipping something together and then uh, applying duct tape and then hoping it, like, <laughs> the experience held together long enough for people to get to the end of it. And it kind of worked, you know, and uh, we were surprised that, you know, when we first got through it, you know, like I said, it was just a miracle that we managed to finish the project in the first place. So we were surprised that uh, people took to it really well. But what was very apparent to us later is that, you know, in hindsight, we could look back and we could be very, you know, if you're a game designer, usually your biggest critic is yourself. Um, if you're doing it right, you're looking back at your own work and tearing it down and trying to imagine what could have been better, uh, how we could have improved on certain facets of the game, its design, its graphics, its interface, whatever it may be, to streamline the experience and make it better for the players. And uh, we were no different. We did that with the coma cutting class. We just like looked back on it and... Um, we tried to implement some changes with a kind of update to the game called the Coma Recut. Um, and then years later, when it was time to go to the Coma 2, we followed the same thing. We, we went back to the drawing board. We were like, okay, what worked really well? What didn't work? Okay, let's discard all the stuff that didn't work. Let's enhance the things that worked really well, right? Um, people were getting frustrated with Miss Song at certain points. What did they find frustrating about their encounters with her in, in the first game? Uh, how can we limit that and then uh, make it genuinely challenging? What aspects of the story did people get really into? Ah, they were like really into the characters. How can we expand the character roster or how can we make the story a little more dynamic? So we just expanded all those things. Uh, and then I think probably the biggest thing we did with the coma too is we wanted players to feel like there was a true sense of progression through the dark story of the night, you know, like most horror films, you know, if you're watching Ripley, uh, in alien by the end of the movie, she's all torn up, you know, and she's barely clinging to life as she like, uh, uh, survives the, the her encounter, right? Uh, or whoever uh, in any any movie, any slasher film, uh, the heroes usually like barely clinging to life as they cross the finish line. And I like that aspect of it. We wanted players to feel like if they played really well and they made decisions the right way and they prepared for their encounters and stuff like that, then their reward was they were keeping their health and. 
if they were just kind of breezing through the game and making mistakes, they were getting slashed up and that was a visible that was visible on their avatar. Um, and it made the game more difficult as you went along. And I think that was like probably one of the best things we added with the coma two. And I think as we go into thinking about the coma three, it will be more of the same. Uh, what worked really well for the coma two and then to the experience, let's drop all the stuff that just didn't land well, either drop it, or enhance it in such a way that it makes those aspects more immersive. Um, and, and the same with any kind of new mechanics that we add. Um, so, for example, um, oh, right now I can just uh, drink a bottle of uh, tea to regain my stamina while I'm running. But what if there was like a cooldown for that? What if you had to stop and then actually drink from the bottle, and, and that was like a nerve-wracking element of, of using items. You know, what if that was a mechanic that we integrated into the game? Of course, I say that now, and then it might be, you know, we might try it out, and it might end up being like one of the most uh, annoying things possible, and then we don't pursue that. But, you know, this is just like part of the brainstorming process, uh, just trying to find things that, that stick and enhance that immersive experience and things that um, get the player more invested in the world. Yeah. I just saw the news, too. I was looking up the first combo you were talking about on Steam. Seeing all the reviews on there is way positive. Maybe like maybe one or two negative mm. reviews because of bugs and stuff that you guys have already addressed with the people in the community. Yeah. But somebody posted in there that there's a double cut coming out of both games i'm like yes that, that right there that's something to talk about especially might as well mention it while we're here in this interview so they can <laughs> hear it directly from you guys yeah um we're working with chorus worldwide and um there are publisher in japan and one of the things is that the first game didn't have a huge audience in japan um for whatever reason so this time out, when they published the Coma 2, Vicious Sisters, what they wanted to do was give to play the first game a chance to experience both aspects of the narrative. Now, we purposefully designed the Coma 2 story in such a way that you never had to be remotely familiar with the first game to jump in and then just like totally enjoy it, right? Uh, it has no requirement that you understand or know the story. But you are rewarded in some ways with like cameo appearances and stuff like that from characters of the first game if you're familiar with the first game story. But um, so we we're make you know we're teaming up with Chorus uh, to make uh, a Switch physical um, exclusive called the Coma Double Cut. And what Double Cut is, it, it it just on one cartridge you get both games. The first game has been upgraded. It's got upgraded graphics. Um, an updated script uh, to to synchronize the lore a little bit more with uh, the coma too, and uh, yeah, really excited about that one, um, and and just being able to bring the game to more uh, Japanese players. It also has English on it, so if you if you get the game, uh, it has all the languages that you would normally find. Well, I'll talk. tell you one thing that might be enjoyable to actually add in there too for people who are not native to Japan, but want to learn. Because I'm, like I said, I'm a cultural addict. I've always loved Asian culture since growing up anime. If you saw my game when we talked about it earlier, 
anime posters. I've got <laughs> Japanese culture, Asian culture everywhere. And I'm not even Asian, but I've always loved it. Yeah. So one thing that'd be nice to have is like have like a little museum or unlockables for you know achievements because Switch doesn't really have achievements. And I saw some players who want trophies and things, but I don't want that. You know, I'd rather be rewarded in game rather than be rewarded by the Switch itself by having little just little tags of hey, I got trophies. Like you mm-hmm. know, have you thought yeah. about adding like unlockables, like art clips or things like that when you do the double? Yeah, we well both, both, both games do have uh, unlockable. We well we have we feature a lot of uh, behind the scenes art for the first game, and in the second game, uh, Minho drew. Uh, Minho's the artist and the animator of the game. Uh, he he just he. I mean, he just did a crap load of very beautiful art. Um, and, uh, that just gets unlocked as you go through the game and, and finish the achievements and, and you unlock the endings and, and stuff like that. So I, you know, it, it was always fun watching people on Twitch. One of the things they would do after they finished one of their streams, right before they ended their stream, they would go back to the main menu and then check the art album and see what got unlocked and, and stuff like that. Uh, with Coma 2 also, we, uh, worked with this. A uh, wonderful uh, girl named Hej. She's uh, she's actually a live action performer, like kind of K-pop uh, dance performer. And then she took on the role of the main character Mina. You can actually see her in some in a in one of the uh, trailers we made for the game. And then there are some unlockables, uh, wallpapers, and stuff like that of her as well. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's fun. I'm going to have to play more of the game and actually to unlock stuff now that I know there's actually... Because nobody told me when I got the game that there was actually ex- stuff that I can unlock. I saw it in the main menu of like bonuses and stuff, but I didn't really see a need to go in there yet because I didn't want to spoil <laughs> anything. I'm that kind yeah. of gamer with like, play a little bit of the game, then see if there's anything unlocked. It'd be nice to have, like, look up the lore and know what's what when it comes to some of these ghosts and some of these demons mm. and things that get unlocked in the story, you know, as you see them, as they right. pop up. Well, the now game guys... does have a lot of heavy lore and stuff like that. We think like, it, you know, uh, the lore and storytelling is a huge part of what the coma is. So, you know, as you go through the game and you unlock and find notes and stuff like that, that will expand sort of the background and the, the backstory of the whole universe and the characters you're interacting with. And you'll learn like, new things about them and be like uh, it, it brings a newer dimension to the characters that you're just interacting with in the story to know kind of a few more things about them behind the scenes and stuff like that in the game. Also, there's, you know, a lot of stuff relating to Korean folklore and history there. That's what I was going to say. That's what I like learning is the history and the folklore. And it was like the next question that I guess for myself is, do you guys have plans of, making this into like a coma universe for like like kind of like the final fantasies and games like that where they have multiple games or do you guys have a stopping point planned for the series in the future and then expanding on like branching off on side stories and things like that mm. you know it's it's one of those interesting things where um the way i'm currently playing with the story is I'm just allowing it 
to take me where it goes, right? So with the coma one, it kind of ended and it had this open-ended nature to it, right? And yeah. with the coma two, I was able to just kind of pick up w- with that and go with it and, 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 and feel no need to, the only thing I, I had to do was just make sure certain things were like consistent between the two stories. But uh, I kind of closed it off the same way with this open-ended nature. And I have a pretty clear idea of where the next game's going to go. Um, will there be more to this universe and story? I definitely think so. Um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of interesting and really cool uh, backstory characters and things happening behind the scenes that I think could actually be their own narratives unto themselves, you know, separate from the main story of Young Ho and Mina. Um, and so I think that they're, they're think that there should be a, a sort of satisfying conclusion to the, to the main story arc that we're currently going through. But I think that there are, you know, as with everything, there will be, plenty of springboards into more interesting stories and other characters um, that can be explored as well. Well, as a writer and artist myself, then I have to say that you have my vote of confidence and props there because you've said one thing that's near and dear to my heart as not just a gamer, but as a writer is that you let the, after a while, if Mm -hmm. you as a reader are getting immersed in it, imagine the writer's point of view of you're getting immersed in it as you're writing it. And it's like, all of a sudden, well, I wanted to go here but then all of a sudden, no, the character, the character's mind wants to go here, and you just let it take you off. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for this, because I've already yeah. started playing the second one. And like I said, it took me a while to get used to this style of graphics, just like mm. it took me a while to get used to, uh, what was that other horror game that came out on Switch a while ago? Oh, Book of Shadows. I don't remember the name of it, but it was one of those Japanese <laughs> Japanese ones. <laughs> But it took a while for me to get used to the art style and everything of the little mini chibi figures running around. But after a while, oh, it was Corpse Party. That's what it was. Um, Which one? What one? It was the Corpse Party series, the ones with the little oh, chibis okay. running around. You know, and it's, it's like, really funny. Like, I, I, I often get this. Um, the, the, the games, whenever I'm going and, and whenever I'm at expos or conventions, the games people often mention to me are Corpse Party, Clock Tower, uh, White Day, and something. Oh yeah, Lone Survivor. Those are the four. Like whenever in relation to the coma, right? And for good reason. Like uh, whenever I go and I look at those games, I can certainly see how if you're a fan of those games, why you might definitely gravitate towards something like the coma. Um, and the funny thing is, a lot of people yeah, totally believe like uh, I took a lot of cues from those games. But as a game designer, I've actually never played any of those games. <laughs> I, I know of them, and I've seen I've seen them. I actually haven't watched a playthrough or have personally played those games. But uh, they do look really cool. Um, so that was just like a funny thing I wanted to mention. But, uh, well, it's good because that goes on to my next question, and I don't even have to ask the next question. I can just comment then. Basically, <laughs> is the art style that you guys came up with and the way that you guys came up with the art style and the story together – I was going to ask, like, how'd you guys come up with that? But then I'm realizing now it just 
happened and it's a unique experience it's something that i'm not seeing a lot of horror games do which is the comic style or you know the manga style or even the chibi style anymore it's like you got manga coming out all the time that is written in horror genre and it can be some of them can really be really gruesome you know yeah to the point where your, your stomach starts churning and that's what really real horror should be is like it makes you churn or it makes you when you're playing the game, though, it makes you want to scream because you're running from this demon coming at you. And right. I haven't gotten that far into the game enough to actually have enough pressure on me yet, but I know it's coming. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to hearing about your experience uh, because, yeah, um, I, I would like to say, you know, I, I think of the Coma 2 um, definitely much more so than the first game. Uh, it's, it's definitely much more of a, a narrative roller coaster, so to speak. So um, at least that was my intention. <laughs> other than uh, the other question I had is, so when it comes to developing the game as a game dev yourself, what, like when you, when you release a game, for one system, since right now we're on the one or two system platform and you have to wait to release it for another system, how much work goes into having to switch it to a different system? Like, does it take a lot of time and effort to have to go back and redesign the game? Not redesign the whole game, but just redesign aspects of the game so it fits to the new system? Or is it more of just a change of control mapping without getting too technical? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um... Yeah, without getting into the technical aspects of it, there's just a whole host of different things that you've got to make sure lines up well with the the architecture of what you're working with, right? So, of course, uh, if, uh, you've got to get the controls mapped and, and stuff like that. But then you've got to do stuff like uh, you've got to make sure the the achievements are working correctly. And then... You know, for example, each console has uh, different dimensions of uh, graphics and stuff like that that need to be displayed when you unlock certain achievements. And then, like, um, you, you keep going deeper into it, and then there's very particular things that uh, just are very particular requirements from Nintendo Sonic that, that, you know, they may or may not be more anal about, for example. Like, uh, one of my... A really good example with uh, the coma cutting class is that when you were unlocking uh, concept and character art, unlocking the original sketches that Minho drew from his art book, right? And so yeah. what you would often have are like the character illustrations and then his notes in Korean written in the margins and stuff like that. And you could actually like see that stuff. And Nintendo got back to us and they were like, uh, sorry, you can't have like Korean writing in the margins. Like it's it's foreign language, uh, can't be displayed. So we actually had to go back and then remove all the concept art and then remake it just for the Nintendo version. But that's just like an example of like sort of you know some platform specific stuff, you know. But there's just like a, a, a whole lot of stuff that goes into it, including play testing things like that. We had a brief scare with uh, the PS4 ver version of the Coma 2 because we have, like, unlockable skins for Mina. And uh, it just wasn't synchronizing right with the store, right? Um, 
but we got that solved. Um, but it's just different platform to platform. So there is a process that goes into it. And luckily, for the most part, uh, that's being handled by our partners at Head Up Games. Um, so that's that's something that we are luckily, you know, we haven't had to contend with uh, so much. But we, we do lend our support uh, in whatever way we can. So the question then for the next question is, are you looking forward to the next technology with PS4 and Xbox, PS5 and Xbox Series X coming out in the fall? Have you guys got a chance to test out any of that? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't had a chance to test it out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm look. I mean, as a gamer, I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, just just seeing what you know and 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 playing uh the next generation systems games uh very much looking forward to that in terms of us our games i mean our games technically speaking are pretty simple fair you know uh we've always focused on a few things uh telling good stories and uh trying to tell those stories through uh, beautiful hand illustrated graphics. You know, we're, we're very inspired by companies like Vanilla games like Odin Sphere, Ramasa, stuff like that. We think that that looks it has a certain like sort of timeless aesthetic to it, you know and that's something that, that we we strive for, you know, and with our small team of four guys as much as we can, we, we really want to try to, you know, um, we, we strive for uh, achieving some sort of timeless quality through the, uh, through the uh, 2D uh, hand-illustrated aesthetic of the games. Um, well, it's, so, still, it's, still, it's still catering to today's market. I mean, yeah. looking at all the reviews and stuff, you guys obviously have had success in order for it to be ported to multiple systems and now coming out of Xbox soon, hopefully Xbox Game Pass, if you guys are able to get on there, that's a mm. good way of getting more fan base out there because more people get access to it that way with Xbox Ultimate Game Pass. But just being able to see your own unique art style is enough for me because even with the reason I asked about the PS5 and mm. Xbox, I was wondering if you guys were planning on making the game longer, bigger, badder, like a lot of developers have started. Uh, yeah. Some of their games are going to be bigger, badder. You know, <laughs> it's a, their promise of the future is more immersiveness than ever before in this new generation of systems because, yes, 8K is the thing mm. people are talking about with the PS5 and Xbox yeah. Series X, but it's going to be a while before a lot of people have 8K TVs or monitors in their homes anyway, so they said they just want to focus on faster loading times and more right. immersive storytelling experiences. So I figured yeah. if you guys were trying to go that direction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's this is something that, you know, that's a, that's a whole Pandora's box for me that's, like, also full of interesting topics because when I go to events like GDC, for example, sometimes I'm, for me personally, I think that, like, some of the most cutting-edge, cool game design, is, it's happening on the indie scene. Because the indie scene itself is where people have the freedom to take big risks with game design, right? Uh, people have the freedom to explore quirky ideas 
and, and play around with it in big ways. And, and maybe that ends up very disastrously or it goes really, really well and it yields something very unique. And I think like most of that, like really cool creativity is, is, is coming from the indie scene. Now, that said, I don't think that that type of creativity always goes hand in hand with having like 8K graphics or, you know, the, 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 the most cutting edge technology. There are certain boundaries, of course, that only, you know, huge AAA studios with um, the budgets to do so. There, there are certain boundaries that they can comfortably push, for sure. Um, and then there are certain experimental boundaries that I think, experimental and creative boundaries that the indie scene uh, lends itself better to the indie scene pushing. And then uh, I think that for us, um, we're, we're on a technical side. Uh, we're not pushing any major, any major boundaries. And I also think that from the, the creative aspect of things, I don't think that uh, we're just old-fashioned pragmatists. I, I heard somebody tell me, you know, they, they played one of our games. I, I think it was just they played the coma, too, and they, they actually had a good time with it and uh, told me, I really miss stuff like this. It's nice to talk to indie developers that just make game games. <laughs> that's how he put it just you know game games the uh, games where you you live and die and 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 there's a there's a skill element involved with it and I'm like yeah and in that kind of way we're we're just kind of simple that way maybe it's you know uh, we're a bit old-fashioned so um, I just think uh, the way that we're doing it is we you know we go one step at a time and uh, uh, we have a project, we build on what we built the last time and make it bigger and better. We take our it's previous a, project it's a good and thing, though. I mean, build on you're, in a very you're pragmatic near, way. You're speaking near and dear to my heart. Sorry for cutting yeah. you off there for a second, but I just I get excited because the moment you said it, game games. I mean, I miss those. I, I, yeah. I love how they're bringing out all these mini systems this year and last year and the year before, and it's like, hmm. like I talked about my game room. It's like I got those mini systems hooked up there because I miss the feel of game games. Yes, right. some of the games could be short, but hmm. for you as the developer, you put how many hours into them, and for us, it might take us five or ten hours to beat the game, but you put hundreds of hours into developing the entire game, and it was an enjoyable experience. Thanks. Yes, you died, so that adds extra hours <laughs> onto the gameplay, yeah. but I missed those for so long. I've missed those. And I'm glad to see indie developers out there, especially in Nintendo scene. Like you look at Nintendo, it's all about the Switch independent games. You see how many independent games are on there that are really good. And they're always going constantly on sale and sale and sale and sale. And it's like, I want to buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that I don't appreciate games that, are doing more experimental stuff or just, you know, totally out of left field um, with just some really unique experience. Th that is all well and, and good. And I even like highly respect, you know, a lot of the uh, interactive artists that are pushing the boundaries with these experiences and, and creating these things and, 
Um, you know, a lot of respect to them. Uh, there's a lot of really cool, unique stuff out there. I mean, there are, there are games which they deliver very fun experiences in like a minute. A minute of gameplay and it, it's 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 some really out of the box thinking and you know uh that's that's really interesting to me um it's just it's just a different thing i think like everybody kind of gravitates toward what they they do better and uh what we do is just simply it like i said it's just this very pragmatic thing of just building on what we already have done and just trying to refine that more and more and then who knows maybe it will reach a point where it becomes so refined we'll need to like <laughs> that's the dream i guess it, it's so refined that you eventually just have to do something completely out of the box and different maybe we reach that point but uh yeah at least with our next game that we're working on now we're, we're sticking to basics well when it comes to the next game if you guys need anybody to early review it you know who to sure. talk because I'd love to help out. I'd love to help you guys out in any way possible because, like I said, I like this experience and I, if I enjoyed this conversation, it's just it reminded me so much of me as a gamer. I at one time in my youth, I thought I wanted to be a game developer myself, but I'm like, I don't know anything about coding. I don't know mm -hmm. anything about this. I can't go to school for that when I've already gone to school and graduated for this. I'm yeah. like. I'm like, where do I go? And so I'm stuck with me wanting to build games. I'm stuck with the RPG makers of Natsumi. Not Natsumi. Uh, oh, poo. The name of the company. I don't remember the name of the company. But I'm stuck with those <laughs> RPG makers that come out every so often where you can make your own RPG within the game, building the world with the sprites they've already mm -hmm. built. No, I, I, can, I can definitely I can sympathize with a lot of that, uh, to be really honest. I like Minho and I, uh, we used to be in video game media. So we were we were we were working for a media company based in Korea, and the focus was esports and video game articles and reviews and and stuff like that. And he was making art for the articles, and I was like the the editor, you know, managing writers and and stuff like that. And we we ended up quitting that company and. It was just this, it was almost like this very capricious thing. Like, uh, I just, I, you know, I was having coffee with him and I said, hey, dude, um, because uh, I have a house in East Malaysia in Kota Kinabalu. And I was, I just told him, why don't you just come with me? Let's start a video game company in, in East Malaysia, in Kota Kinabalu, which was like a really random, don't really have much money. So let's just go there and ex where like the cost of living's cheap. And then, that will allow us to extend our runway so that we have enough time to learn how to make games. Because we had no idea about how to make games. But let's go there and, and make a game studio. And we went there and we failed miserably. We learned so much. Uh, it, it really gave us the groundwork to begin. I mean, we, you know, we, we languished there for a good three, four years. Uh, and then uh, got started on the coma much later. That was Minho started. He, you know, he eventually left Malaysia, and then he started on the coma, and then I joined again. And then we, we, we just built on the foundation that we had. But I can sympathize with, like, starting and then having <laughs> – you get there, you clear your desk, you're ready to – all right, let's make games. Oh, crap. I forgot I don't know how to make games. 
Um, but, <laughs> you know what they say, the greatest lessons, as an entrepreneur myself, the greatest lessons are in our failures. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of, a lot of times they think, oh, I failed, so I should give up and try something. Else. No, no, it doesn't mean you give up. You just try again, but you try it a different approach. You figure out what you did wrong and take it as a lesson rather than beating yourself up. But I've talked to several entrepreneurs and they've beat themselves up over the heads with the mm. virus going on in the world and they don't know what to do. And it's like, no, 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 don't give up on the dream. You failed. You yeah. dust yourself up. You get back up just like you would play a video game because my audience is video gamers. And, you know, teaching them, it's like you failed with one girl talking to this girl. You go talk to this girl. Instead, you just keep going. And when it comes to businesses, you just keep going. So I'm glad to see that you guys didn't give up because look at where you're at now. It, it, I mean, that's that's really the, the name of the game. Um, I mean, honestly, all all the games that we have made, the, the reason why we're, we even finished the first game and why we've even been able to complete the Coma 2, it was through sheer force of stubbornness was is the best way to put it um we were just too stubborn <laughs> to to know when w you know we just didn't have what it what it takes and you know we were reminded of it reminded of it time and time again like reasons why we should just drop this and 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 do something else or reason why you know even from people fellow designers in our own industry who were just like talking smack about our games and stuff like that. And we were just, there was also an element of us that were just like too dumb to see the flaws in our game. But you've got to be, you've got to allow yourself to also make mistakes and, and realize that what you make is not going to be perfect. But you first have to get it out there because the whole process of getting it out there is, is the learning experience. And then with hindsight, you you have the you have the tools to know how to approach your next project and and what you could do better right but if you just let somebody shut down your first project when you're 50% of the way through with it because that you know they're they're breaking it down and why certain aspects don't work i'm not saying don't take you know uh constructive criticism no yeah. no no like you you've you've also got to learn i mean that's a large part of it is just learning how to filter criticism right you can definitely filter you know everybody's got an opinion everybody and their mom's got an opinion about what you're doing and what you're making and you've got to learn to activate that filter for you know separating the wheat from the shaft of of, of what is like good constructive criticism that you can and and not just constructive criticism because you can get really awesome constructive criticism that isn't actionable it's like not currently within your tool set to act upon so sometimes you've also got to be like mm, that's really really good advice i just i can't do it in this version in this game that i'm making now right so you've got to also be be able to like recognize what's realistic or what's within the borders of being realistically achievable. Yeah. That's what me and Jessica have decided with us too. It's like, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to uh, just being in business and it comes to, you know, all of it at the end of the day, you got to reaffirm what is your mission? You know, you guys have a, ha had a mission when you guys started out 
and you still have that mission. Just keep going. You have my, like, you have my confidence and my seal of approval if that's even <laughs> <laughs> needed. Thank but you. I like where you guys are going. It's, if you guys would have gave up, we would have never had this. Well, I really appreciate that. I think, you know, for, for us, it's, honestly, it's, it's just the, the biggest pleasure is being able to do what you love for a living. Right. That, uh, that's always been the main thing for us. Right. If we could just keep doing what we love and then make a living from it. Heck yeah. Why not? Let's just let's just keep going. And then it was like kind of a surprise to us that that we were able to do it. But, um, yeah, we'll stick at it as long as we can. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, we don't get too comfortable. <laughs> Oh no! You can never settle for comfortable. Just keep trying to innovate and keep keep coming up with new ideas. Because you you already you inspired me earlier when you said that you guys when you started you didn't really have any experience, but you came up with a story and yeah, you came up with the characters and you just went from there. That to me says it all. It's that right there. Because if I could do that with my journalism, with reviewing games and make a living reviewing games, honestly, I mm. would do that in a heartbeat. You know, I'd do that. Just boom, you know. I'd love to just sit there and play games. All day yeah. and enjoy that. I, I would love. I would love to do that too. Trust me. Like a lot of people come up and they say, "Oh man, since you're in the gaming industry, you must, you must." Oh man, like I play less, fewer games now than I ever have in my life. And then, like, my way of playing games has, like, changed. I don't know if it's for better or for worse, but nowadays I will buy games and then I'll just, like, play them for five or ten minutes until I, I, I see what I want to see. Like, uh, the, um, how they did this thing with this particular mechanic or how they solved this problem with the interface for this particular thing. You know, and oh, that's kind of neat. That's you know, I like to uh, play games these days more for in- inspiration. Um, that's that's another reason why I gravitate more toward uh, smaller indie titles these days because a lot of um, I get to see those problems at scale. You know, I get to see how teams that are relatively the same size as mine tackled certain issues, certain problems. And There's a game coming out for Xbox that you're probably going to love. That it's made by a two brother team. Uh, I, th- uh, I don't know the name of it. Kumo or something. Kimo Bridge. Of, it's, I know the subtitles Bridge of Spirits, and it was advertised in the Xbox thing last year, last month. My girlfriend saw it, and she's like, "Can we buy an Xbox Series X just for that?" I'm like, "I'm like, really?" And she's like, "Yeah, look at the look at how they did things." I'm. That would yeah. be some inspiration to look at, too, because it's a two-person team, and to be able to build a world like that, Kenya. it's Kenya. She said it's Kenya. Kenya. Bridge, yeah, Kenya Spirit. Bridge of Spirit. Kenya. Kenya. Yeah, it's spelled K-E-N-A. So check that out, too, because it's a two-person team. So it'll give you guys some inspiration for your four-person team. Yeah. I was also, like, super impressed with Cuphead. Like, I mean, I think everybody was, like, blown away. With I've still never played that game, but I love the graphics. Yeah, like, yeah, it's old it's, yeah, it's it's just so old school, but just the whole look of it 
and and the uh, the the sheer amount of work that went into it. Now, obviously, I, I know that there was more people involved behind the scenes with the development of that game, but that that's also another example of a game that was primarily, I think, spearheaded by two guys um, that were, you know, two brothers, I think, who were managing most of the stuff. Um, I could be totally wrong about that. I'll have to check. But, uh, yeah, and then they, you know, they, they had their own team um, and stuff. But, yeah, I, I was just so impressed with everything about that game, the animation, the style, um, and I thought that was a real achievement. Yeah, I, like I, when I saw it coming out, I'm like, wow, it looks like, because I'm an anime fan, as I said. I'm always looking for those games that get so close to looking like a cartoon or anime that when you play them, it's like you can't distinguish between the two art styles. So seeing that come out, I'm like, I wanted to play it right when it came out. And then everybody's like, no, 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 uh, not with the way you are with games. You will break <laughs> the controller, man. Don't even think about it unless you invest in one of those pro controllers for Switch and play it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. It's been a real pleasure. This has been yeah, like inspiring you. for myself as an entrepreneur and as a writer. And I'm looking forward to what's to come. And like I said, if you guys need any help whatsoever, feel free to ha- reach out to uh, David or I, and mm-hmm. I'll be available to help out in any way I possibly can because I like where it's going so far. All right. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. It was also a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me uh, and talking about the comma too with me uh it's it's out now on uh switch and ps4 and coming very soon for xbox um a few people have asked me about that it's that xbox version is being handled by our um partners in japan so uh that will be coming soon as well uh thank you so much for coming on the 250th episode of the podcast the game itself looks amazing uh sorry i've not really been talking I've just finished a 13-hour shift and I've just been eating food. No, yeah, that's... Uh, I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, thanks again for having me. So it's been a pleasure. We're celebrating our 250th. You guys are celebrating today. As I said, congratulations on finally hitting the Switch platform again. So in case anybody didn't hear him say it, it's on Switch. There's no excuse not to pick it up now, guys. It's portable. Play it in bed before... But with the lights out right before you're about to go to bed, that's when you get the real scares. thank you guys thank you very much man have a good one do you have trouble sleeping tossing and turning all night nothing you do seems to help you're not getting your recommended six to eight hours of sleep each night well now there's a solution now there's fat cat fly with fat cat fly you'll easily get the sleep that you deserve download for free on the ios app store and you're guaranteed to get a good night's sleep with very few side effects as you help a fluffy kitty eat all the junk food that he wants. Side effects may include sleeplessness and desire for cheeseburgers of erection last more than five hours. See a physician. Try Fat Cat Fly today. Visit facebook.com slash fatcatfly because you deserve a better life. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I'm glad. I bet you're all glad you didn't hear my voice much. Anyway, Thank you all for uh, watching, listening to our 248th podcast, I think. I think it's 248. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening. It's been the One Up Gaming Podcast. Uh, please visit our Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash O-U-G. We have official gaming t-shirts at bluecyborg.com. Just search One Up Gaming. We have an official album out. It's on like all the places, like Apple, music iTunes, there we go, that's the one. Um, Spotify, all these things, just search for the games-inspired music. Uh, 20% of each sale will go to the Child's Play charity. We have our first 100 podcasts available at audiobooksontape.com. Um, £1 of each sale will go to the Diabetes UK charity. We have Amazon links on the website, which basically, you do nothing, click on the link... We get a small, tiny fee for advertising Amazon on our website. We have Facebook and YouTube. Just search One Up Gaming. We have an official Twitch channel, which we don't use, but we will try to use more of. That's twitch.tv slash official. We have Twitter, so if you want to tweet us, it's at official. And I guess if you want to subscribe to us or follow us on the podcast, just subscribe to us. One Up Gaming. And please... Give us positive feedback, stars, all that type of stuff. Subscribe to us, it'd really help us. Anyway, I would just like to thank Tristan for coming on this week's show. Is the basically is the game writer and designer for Coma 2. And yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, it's been an honour. Uh, please go buy his game out on Steam, out on Switch, PS4 and hopefully soon on the Xbox One. I need to go to bed. Thank you all. Goodbye. Hi, Justin the Voice here. First of all, we'd like to thank you for listening. Seriously. We really like it when you listen. Yes. But if you'd like to do more than just listen, if you'd like to help us out, well, we have an idea just for you. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash O-U-G. Your monthly micropayment will help us keep going all night long, baby. Oh, yeah. Mostly because we usually record at night. Yeah. But don't worry, baby. We got something for you, too. We've got special benefits for all of our Patreon subscribers. Yeah. Again, that's www.patreon.com slash O-U-G.